0: it's not even close. I've been asked that question 10 times more than any other question. And the thought is this, how do I know if God is speaking to me? How do I know if I'm making up voices in my own head? How do I know if it's the devil? How do I know if it's the, you know, Mexican buffet I hit last night? How do I know that God is speaking to me? And what does the Bible say about hearing God's voice and God speaking to us? And Here's the great news this morning, that we have a speaking God. Can I get an amen? We have a speaking God. And all throughout time, uh, past and present and going in the future, God has been speaking to his people. If you go to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 and verse 3, the third verse of the Bible says, And God said, let there be light. And goes on speaking many, many times, hundreds of times. Throughout Scripture, the Bible ends in Revelation with God speaking seven times to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And He says, This let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And so here's my thought we are the church, and God wants to speak to the church corporately, He wants to speak uh, to us individually. And uh, so God is still speaking today. The problem has never been with God speaking, but I think we, the people, need to improve our ability to listen to God and learn how to distinguish His voice. I, I'm doing this series right now, four weeks on hearing God speak to you, and in the midst of this, this coming week, starting tomorrow, we're having a week of prayer here at Family Life, and, and I'm, we're encouraging people We're talking about principles from God's word on hearing God speak. And now we're encouraging you to take this next week to shut out the noise of your life. Get off social media. Turn the TV off and really spend time praying and seeking God. And I believe if we do that in the right way, that we will be able to hear God's voice in our lives very, very clearly. The church facility, this auditorium, will be open every night, Monday through Friday from 7 to 8 p.m., and we'll just have a time of corporate prayer. And I know uh, people say to me, how do you pray for an hour? And uh, actually, it's very easy. You're going to come in here. The lights be dimmed down. We'll have worship music going. And so the first part will be some worship. Bring your Bible. You can read your Bible. Spend time praying by yourself. Then we'll come together and pray. But I, I'm just encouraging. The, the reason that we open the church up and the reason that I will be here at every one of these meetings is because I know what happens. We tell ourselves at our house that we'll do it. But we don't do it. We have kids. We have noise. So I encourage couples, switch out with the kids. And one of you come up here every night. I, 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 I encourage all of our elders and deacons and leaders to, you know, make sure you're up here once or twice this week, you know. Uh, it's very interesting. The Bible talks a lot about prayer. But the majority of passages in the Bible are not about individuals praying. It's about cor- the corporate prayer of the church. And obviously, we're supposed to pray uh, on- by ourselves in our closets as we drive down the road at home. But something special happens when 10, 20, 30, 50 of us come together and really begin to intercede for us. Also, in your bulletin today, there are sermon notes. And there's a connection card. If you're a visitor, you can fill out that connection card. We would love to have that and place it out there in the... In the, um, in the box out there. but if it's also the bottom parts for a prayer request. this is the best week of the year, besides in January, to fill out a prayer request card, because we're going to place all the prayer request cards up here, up here on the stage. and, and as people come every night, they're going to be praying over your card. So if you have a prayer request, perhaps it may get prayed over 50, 60, uh, 80 times this week. So this is a great time to do it. so tomorrow, Tomorrow night, we, we start prayer, and I, I know everything. I know, hey, I'm tired in the evenings. Hey, I am too. Sometimes I'm tired in the morning when I wake up. But some things you just got to do. If you want to hear God's voice, you may have to step out and do something that you haven't done before. So last week, we talked about God gave me a word for our church, and it was this. He said, you know, Terry, if you can teach people how to prepare their hearts, they will be able to hear God's voice. So we looked at the parable in Luke chapter 8 last week about the parable of the soils, and we said that the soils represent the condition of our heart. And so we looked last week, there was the polluted heart where where sin has got into our lives and has blocked out God's voice, and there's the distracted heart where all the noise and all the distractions of life get in the way. There's the immature heart. There's the heart uh, that just hasn't been growing in their walk with the Lord, And then there's the prepared heart, and it says the prepared heart brings forth a crop a hundred times what was sown. When we have a prepared heart, when we're ready and waiting and willing to hear God's voice, and and we set time aside for Him, it's just amazing, a a wave of God's voice into our life. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about how to hear God's voice, how to hear God's voice, and we're going to read a story that perhaps many of you have heard before but uh I think it's amazing and we're going to pull some principles out here it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1 through 11 and it says this the boy Samuel was serving God under Eli's direction this was at the time at a time when the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen and here's what we, what we're A little background of the story is there was a problem in the priesthood of Israel at that time. And Eli and his family uh, were doing some things that had really pleased God. There was some sin in the spiritual leadership of Israel. And so the revelation of God, the word of God, wasn't flowing as frequently as it had in the past. And it says one night Eli was sound asleep. His eyesight was very bad. He could hardly see. It was well before dawn, and the sanctuary lamp was still burning. Samuel was still in bed in the temple of God where the chest of God rested, the Ark of the Covenant. Then God called out, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Yes, I'm here. And then he ran to Eli, saying, I heard you call. Here I am. Eli said, I didn't call. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so he did, and God called him again, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli, I heard you call, here I am. Again, Eli said, son, I, I did not call you, go back to bed. Uh, this happened before Samuel knew God for himself. It was before the revelation of God had been given to him personally. So at this time in the story, Samuel is like 12 years old. He's a young boy, and, and he's doing everything, working at the temple, helping, doing all this, but he had never heard God's voice speak to him. He didn't know what it sounded like. He didn't yet, although he loved God and was following God, perhaps he didn't have the relationship that he would have one day with God. And so it was, it was a, a new experience for him. And God called again Samuel a third time. Yet again Samuel got up and went to Eli. Yes, I heard you call me. Here I am. Then, it, then when it dawned on Eli that God was calling the boy So Eli directed Samuel, go back and lie down. And if the voice calls again, say, speak, God, I am your servant, ready to listen. Now, that's good advice right now. That's good advice. When God speaks to you, say, yes, number one, I'm your servant, you're above me. And second of all, I'm ready to listen and obey. God said to Samuel, listen carefully, I'm getting ready to do something in Israel that is going to shake everyone up and get their attention. He goes on really to tell about the fall of Eli and his family from the priesthood uh, ministry there in Israel. And I was reading this passage and just really tried to, I'm a simple person, I'm very practical. So when I read, read a passage, I'm always thinking, okay, yeah, but so what? What does it mean to me? How, how does that help me? And the first thing that's so evident here is we see that God speaks to ordinary people. God speaks to ordinary people. So if you're an ordinary person, if you don't think you're anything special, well, guess what? You're just in line to hear the voice of God. Sometimes we get the perception that God only speaks to people who are important. God only speaks to people who have high positions or leadership positions. You know, God only speaks to pastors and elders and missionaries and evangelists. And, and so forth, but God speaks to everyone. God speaks to old people. God speaks to, to young people, as in the boy Samuel. God speaks to people that have been saved a long time. God speaks to people who are just brand new Christians. And here's another note. Sometimes God speaks to people who ha- who don't even have a relationship with him yet. Maybe some of you gave your life to the Lord, and you, you felt the Spirit of God calling you and speaking to you before you dedicated uh, you know, your your life to him. So God speaks to ordinary people, but to hear it really helps to have a heart in the right condition. So let's talk a little bit about Samuel's background. Samuel was the son of a woman named Hannah. And if you, you know the story, Hannah, his mother, was barren for years and years. She couldn't have any kids, and, and every year she came to the temple, and she prayed and fasted and wept before the Lord, asking him to give her a son. And she made a promise, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. Another principle that has nothing to do with prayer, but whatever you give to God multiplies. Hannah, after Samuel was weaned, she brought him and gave him to the high priest Eli to be raised in the temple courts. And if you read the story, Hannah had more kids God didn't give her one and she gave it away and she had nothing she she gave one back Lord she gave the first to God and she was blessed so just just a thought if you're if you're lacking something in your life you have to give something in that in that line Uh, you have to give it away you have to give it to God and so uh, so Samuel he's being raised in the temple uh, by Eli the high priest And again, he was about 12 years old. That's what most scholars think, 12 years old. And yet God speaks to a 12-year-old boy instead of the high priest. So think about that. God speaks to a little boy who's doing the the grunt work of the temple instead of the high priest. And what was different? One had a prepared heart, one, one did not. And so the thing about Eli, Eli had been the high priest for a number of years. And God had promised him that he would always have a family member in the line of, of, of the priesthood. But what happened is, Eli had two, two boys. Uh, they, they were wicked, just hellraisers, man. They were wicked boys. And they were named Hophni and Phinehas. And if you read the story, you find that uh, they were, when people would come to bring sacrifices to the Lord, they would steal the sacrifices for their own food. They would steal the sacrifices for their own personal gain, and then there was also some ladies. Um, now, you know, ladies were not allowed to go in, into uh, you know the the, the the temple courts, the inner courts. Not my rules; that was God's. Okay, don't get mad at me. But there there was some there was some some just like just like Samuel was given to the the Lord's work. There were some girls. Uh, who they would they would be you know be virgins they would be dedicated Lord who who work in in the outer courts of the temple temple and it says that his boys Hophni and Phineas they're having sex with these ladies who have been devoted to the Lord in and around the temple courts. I mean these these guys got the wrath of God to a whole nother level. I mean just perform you know performing blasphemy, th- blasphemous things uh, to God's people and against God. Uh, So God says, listen, I have rejected you. And here's why he he said, well, why did he reject Eli? Because Eli knew everything his boys were doing, and he didn't do anything to stop them. You know, I mean, he just let them do whatever they want to do, even though people said, Eli, you've got to do something. He never restrained them, he never disciplined them, he never did anything about it. So, so God speaks to the boy, the boy Samuel who Samuel would l- later become a uh, priest, prophet, judge. I mean, Samuel is one of the most powerful spiritual figures uh, in the Old Testament, but he's 12 years old. He doesn't even yet know God. He doesn't know his voice, and yet God reaches down and speaks to him instead of the high priest and the other spiritual leaders in Israel. So God, God does. God enjoys speaking to just every, just ordinary, everyday people. You know, the truth is, uh, God wants to speak to all of his children. He wants to speak to us on a consistent basis. He doesn't want you to go days, weeks, or months without hearing his voice. I, I, I want to ask you a question this morning. When's the last time you heard the voice of God? When is? Because we know the problem's not with God, right? In amen. So it has to be on our end. So when is the last time you heard the voice of God? We just learned now that God speaks to everyone. God's desire is to have a relationship with all of his children, which means he speaks and communicates with all of his children. The the second thing I see in this story is that God, he speaks to people who have a hunger to hear his voice. Now, you know, I talked to some people, and just listen to them talk. They're so excited about all these things. I don't, I don't hear any excitement about their spiritual life. You know, God, God can speak to anybody. But he usually speaks with people who have a hunger to seek after him, who have a hunger, uh, you know, to hear his voice. When you read this story, you realize that Samuel had a spiritual hunger for the things of God. He was working and serving In the temple daily, uh, and even though he was young and had so much to learn, the one thing about Samuel is you you see that he had a passion for the things of God. He was passionate about his relationship with God, about learning and growing with God. Here's what I've learned, and you don't have to be that smart to learn this, but nothing fuels our relationship with God like a hunger and thirst for spiritual things. Nothing, nothing fuels our relationship with God more than our hunger and our thirst and our passion and our a true desire to get to know Him. Hunger will cause you to do things that are unconventional. You know, hunger will drive you to read God's word, to pray, to fast, and to seek God with, with, with our whole heart. One of the greatest barriers to hearing the voice of God is apathy. Y'all are really quiet this morning. If you'll just work with me a little bit, No one to know it's you, you know? Come on. But the the greatest problem with hearing the voice of God, the greatest problem in the church today is apathy, an apathetic relationship, a lukewarm relationship. If it happens, it happens. If I make it to church, I make it to church. If I have time to read God's Word, I have time to read God's Word. If I make it to a Bible study, I make it. But it's not a priority. It's not a desire. It's not a prerequisite in my life. So I have a question for you, for everyone here today. What are you hungry for? We all have desires. We all have passions. There's something in our life that we get the most excited about it. So what is it with you? I mean, this is a tough question to ask yourself because you have to think, how have I used my time this week? How have I spent my money this week? And I mean... It sounds crazy. I'm just, I'm just going to go here. Someone can throw me a life ring later, you know. Some, some people, their greatest desire is to win their fantasy football league. Now, you that say, oh, my, I'm coming to you in a minute, okay? Some people, their greatest desire is to make more money. Some people, their greatest desire is, 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 is power or prestige or a nicer house, a bigger house, a nicer car, you know, to get married, to have kids. But I just want to ask you, what is it? Whatever you desire the most is what you're hungry for. And many Christians lack a true hunger for the things of God. Matthew 5 and verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what's the promise? You will be filled. When we hunger for God, and when we put our time and passions into pursuing him, there's always fruit in that endeavor. God always fills the void that we're, we're seeking for. I, a number of years ago, I met a man, and he was very successful. He was a dentist, and, and uh, he, he didn't get saved until he was 40 years old, which is really quite unique. The majority of people who give their lives to the Lord, it's under the age of 20. And every year that you get older in life, there is a percentage-wise, statistically speaking, there's a smaller chance that you're going to give your life to the Lord. So anyway, uh, Dr. Tim Thomas, he was the dentist, and, and I don't know, he was probably in his 50s when I met him. And uh, he was at church, he was serving, doing things, so I, I just kind of always thought that he was born a Christian, you know, that he was a Christian from from the right from, right from the... Right from the birthing center at the hospital, and he always loved God. And so one day he told me a story. He said, "You know, I did everything, and I had everything, and I accomplished everything that society said I needed to be successful. I had money, I had a career, I had a family, I had, I had kids, I had the house, I had the cars, I had the hobbies, I had the dearlies. And when I looked in the mirror," All I saw was a void, and, and so he said, I, I, you know, I just started searching and seeking what is missing in my life, and he had a thought. I mean, he was raised, he was raised as, as a Catholic, which meant that he went on Christmas and Easter in his home. That's what it meant. So he's like, you know, maybe there is something to, maybe there is a God. Maybe that's what I'm missing. So he went and bought a Bible, and he had taken time off to go out to his dear lease, way out in some beautiful country, miles and miles and everything. And uh, he was going to be out there for three days. So he took his Bible, and he took the Bible into the blind. And he said, I I opened the Bible to Genesis 1-1, and I started reading. And then I got to Exodus, and I got to Leviticus, and I got to Leviticus, and I got to Leviticus. (laughs) That can be tough, right? And he just kept going through, and then he got to the Gospels where Jesus was born. A Savior was born. The Messiah was born. And he said, it was so difficult. I was so into the Bible, but I looked out my dear blind, and the biggest buck I ever saw in my life was out there. And he just closed the blind and said, dear God, you know? So the next day, he went out to the blind. Three days. He read the Bible in three days. Read the entire Bible in three days. The second day he went to the blind, he didn't even take his gun so he wouldn't be tempted. At the end of three days, he said, God, I I have read your word. I don't even know if you're real. I don't know if you're what I need, but I just need to hear your voice. And he said, that dear blind just illuminated. And God just met with him, and he gave his life to the Lord, and he said immediately, immediately he knew the void had been filled. And he said, why did it take so long? But what was the difference? He decided, I'm going to figure out what's wrong with my life, and I will not be denied. I will not be denied. See, the problem is, you know, we act all spiritually tough, and the devil says, boo, and we're like, oh, no. No, you have to get in your life, I am going to hear the voice of God I am going to pursue God. I will not be denied. I'm going to pursue till I hear what I need to hear. If it takes one day, three days a month, if this week of prayer isn't enough, I'm going to do another week of prayer. I am going to pursue God. But but God, He, He, He just, He, He speaks more to people that are hungry than people who are who are apathetic. I, I, I was at a restaurant one day and I I ran into one of our church members, and, and uh, we we're just talking, and he mentioned a family. Hey, you know, so-and-so, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, yeah, they don't come to church anymore. Yeah, I say, oh, well, I noticed that. And uh, he said, uh, they said, I, I wasn't even looking for this conversation. I really just wanted to eat with my family. They just, just came up. And he said, yeah, they bought a boat. I said, well, uh, that's good for them. I mean, there's nothing wrong with boats. I have one. I hope there's nothing wrong. God, there's something wrong with the boat. And he said, but yeah, but you don't understand. They bought a boat, and every weekend, every weekend, they go to the lake and spend the whole weekend at the lake. The boat has become their God. The boat has become their hunger. The boat has become their desire. They just get away from everything and, and, and go and go go do that. And again, there's nothing wrong with having houses, cars, hobbies. There's nothing wrong with all that except if it gets its claws on you. And it means more to you than your relationship with God. If it means more to you than your family, your friends. So God God speaks to ordinary people, but also God tends to speak more frequently to people who have a hunger for him. The third thing is that God speaks to people who turn down the noise in their lives. Of course, here Samuel did not have to compete with social media, smartphones, TVs, or, or that type of thing. But let me say this, working at the temple courts was an all-consuming job. I mean, little Samuel was running back. I mean, there were people coming and feasts and all kind of things, and, and Eli was getting old, so he relied on Samuel more and more, and he would call Samuel and send him on, on, on things. And so, here's the thing. Samuel could have worked in the house of God, and been so busy serving people and serving God that he never got to know God for himself. You know, th- there are a lot of people today. I, I, listen. Confession time. Remember when I said last week? confession is good for the soul and bad for the reputation? But listen, I've been guilty of being so busy helping people and helping others that I didn't spend enough time with God. That can't happen. That that is not an acceptable thing to happen at, at, at any time. Samuel was in a room alone when God's voice came to him. There's no competing distractions. There's no noise. So to hear God's voice, we have to eliminate the competing distractions in our life, and they are many. They are many. I mean, if you're going to spend time with God, you just need to put your smartphone away. That thing is going to be a distraction. You don't need to text anybody. You know, they'll be there whenever you get done praying, I assure you. Uh, But it's funny how we have so many voices. You know, try driving to work without the radio on. Take your lunch break by yourself and just open your Bible and just, just read and pray. Spend some time before you go to bed. Reading and praying without interruptions. Go go for a walk, and spend time talking to God without headphones, without your phone. See, you have you have you have the noise where <clears throat> we have the noise turned up so often that even when God is trying to speak to us, sometimes we can't hear. One of uh, many years ago, actually, right now I don't I don't mow my own yard. I have. I have a college son at home that mows it for me. But one of my favorite times used to always be mowing my yard. Because the mower is so loud that you can't hear anything else. And I get 30 minutes, 35, 40 minutes, whatever. And you wouldn't believe how many many times the Lord spoke to me while I was mowing my yard. I mean, just what happened? The mower just drowned out everything. And that's why I encourage you. I encourage people to take advantage of the church being opened up. You come in here, the atmosphere is right, there's worship music, it's quiet, and it gives you an attitude just to come in here and get on the ground, kneel against a chair, do whatever you can, uh, just just to hear God's voice and to spend time with him. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I looked at this. It says we need to throw off everything that hinders us. Hey, sometimes the television hinders us. Sometimes the computer hinders us. Sometimes social media hinders us. Sometimes the constant noise, the radio, the all they 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 hinder us. From focusing on God, and so we—if you want to hear God's voice, you have to turn down the noise, turn down the volume of the world. You know, you know what I found is that when I turn the noise down, I don't miss it. Sometimes I leave for for my day from the house, and I don't have my phone. The best day of the week, right there. You may bring it to you. No. I don't leave you want to go, I'm not going back to get it. Now, other people are frustrated with me. My wife may not be happy. My kids may not be happy they needed something. Oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot my phone. I am so, I'm so, I'm so sorry about that. The last thing is this. There's, there's more, but the last thing is this, that God, God speaks to the humble heart. Humility, humility is, is key. It's an an essential ingredient for us hearing the voice of the Lord. You know, Samuel had such a pure heart. He had a heart that was filled with humility and tenderness. He he was young and he had a desire to learn and grow. The problem with growing older, okay, everyone in this room is getting older, so listen to me. I mean, if you're here, you're out of children's church, whatever. the, The problem with growing older is that we get set in our ways. We get set in our ways. How many of you, let me put it this way. I want, I want you to raise your hands. I have a therapy session for you. How many of you do not um, get, or not set in your ways? We have one person. I don't know wh- whether or not she's lying or not. So. But anyway, but, but most people get set in their ways, okay? Most people get set in their ways, and if you're not setting your way, that's probably a way, Okay? But anyway, we, but it's, it's just human nature. We develop habits, we develop routines, we develop expectations. We have a preferred way of doing things. We even have a preferred way of spending time with God. And sometimes it's just good for those things just to get messed up a little bit. Uh, worst of all, we tend to develop a prideful attitude and we become know-it-alls. Do any of you know a know-it-all? Let me see and show. You. How many of you know a know-it-all? Now keep your hands up. How many of them are sitting right next to you? How many of them would say, it's me. I'm the know-it-all. Oh, we, we just, we just tend, we tend to do that. Um, but but he, here's the problem. Do you know that it's almost impossible to have a conversation with a know-it-all? You, you can't do it. So if we, all of us, if we become know-it-alls, how is God going to speak to us? We already know everything we need to know. Do you know why we hear from God so frequently when we're in desperate situation? I mean, there, there are certain people that the only time I see them in church is when they have a desperate situation. Their wife is leaving them. They got fired from their job. Their kids are in trouble. What happens? See, when we get into a desperate situation, we don't have to argue that we know it all. We know we need God. But if we had that attitude all the time, would that be preferable? Please say it. The answer is yes. Yeah, yeah it, would be, it would be preferable, Terry. Thank you. That was so good. Um, so, anyway, but think about it. If you're know it all, you're not teachable. You're not open to new ideas. You don't like dialogues. Dialogues are when multiple people talk back and forth. That's a conversation. You like a monologue. One time I had a youth, and a youth, a young man and his dad were just not getting along when I was youth pastor. They came into my office, and um, uh, the dad said, my son just won't have a conversation with me. He won't talk with me. And I mean, as a 15-year-old boy, I, I was quite impressed. And he's like, well, my dad doesn't want to have a dialogue. He wants to have a monologue. He tells me for five minutes how everything's going to be, and he walks out of the room. And so it's hard to have a conversation with a, with a, with a know-it-all. Let's look at one last scripture, uh, Luke chapter 18. It says this. People were bringing babies to Jesus, little children, for him to place his hands on them, and bless them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked the people, the parents, the people. But when Jesus called the children to him, and he said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You know, children are, are curious. They're always wanting to understand things. They ask a lot of questions. They have an innocence about them. Children really are like like sponges. They just absorb information. And children have a humility about them. Really that I believe is, is inspiring. It is interesting how quickly we move from childhood where we are open to everything. And the first thing we do when we're teenagers is we know everything. Come on now, how many of you have teenagers? They know everything, right? And then as we get, as we get older, you know, sometimes it gets worse. And we just keep think, thinking that we've arrived, that, that we know things. So Jesus, what Jesus is trying to say is this, is that we need the humility of a child to have conversations with him. We need to be curious. We need to, we need to be teachable. We need to ask questions. And we need to absorb the information he gives us like, like, like a sponge. I'm going to have the worship team come up this morning. i to wrap this up. So, you know, as, as we're concluding today, just stay with me for about two more minutes. Here, here's what I've been thinking. Hearing the voice of God... It's not as complicated as we make it out to be. Actually, I think it's quite simple if we prepare our hearts. So the, the the takeaways from today from the story of Samuel, God speaks to ordinary people. That's good news that means God will speak to me because I'm not special, that God will speak to you. and more than that, God desires to speak with us. The second thing is is that God speaks to people who really have a hunger and a thirst to hear from him. And so I think today we need to question ourselves. Man, do I even care if God speaks to me? Is that Has that even been a priority in my life? You know, if that's the case, what I would do, I would spend the first part of the week of prayer and fasting asking God to give me a hunger. You know, that's not a sin to ask for. God, I've become lazy, I've become lethargic. Give me a hunger to pursue you like I once did. And then, of course, that God speaks when we eliminate the noise in our lives. I, I just, I strongly encourage you to turn down things this week. Turn the TV down, turn social media down, turn computers off except for work, and put yourself in a position to hear from him. And of course, God speaks to those who, who develop humble hearts. So uh, would you stand with me? I want to close with